If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. We're going to continue tonight in our Thankful series. Uh, And this is the second part of a four-part series, and we're so excited uh, uh, to hear what God's Word has for us uh, to be thankful, amen, full of thanks. So Colossians 2, verse 6, Paul writes these words, and he says, Continue to live your lives in Him. Who was Him? Jesus Christ. He says, be rooted and built up in him. He says, you will be overflowing with thankfulness. And that's what you and I, I'm sure, desire tonight. I know I do in my life, and I'm sure you the same, that you want to be someone who is full of thanks. Amen? How many of you want your neighbor to be, to be full of, of negative comments? <laughs> Nobody wants that. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to move your seat, right? You're going to sit somewhere else. You don't want to be sitting some, with, with, uh, next to someone who just has negative things to say. We want to be a people who are full of thanks, a people who are grateful for what God has done for you. All that, all that, 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 that uh, sanctification that God has been working in your life, all that change that has taken place. Tonight, we're going to be looking at what Paul writes here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Philippians 4, 11, Paul writes this, and he says, I have learned, say that with me, learned. I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. I titled this message this evening, Are You Competing for Contentment? Are you competing for contentment? You see, the Bible clearly teaches us to be content in any and all circumstances in our lives. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, the Bible teaches us to be content. In Exodus chapter 20, the Lord speaks to Moses and gives him these Ten Commandments. Something that I want to share with you about the Ten Commandments, not only, not only is it something that none of us, none of us can, can uh, 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 be or can perfect in our lives, if you've read the Ten Commandments, you know what I'm talking about, None of us have perfected these commandments in our lives. And so God knows that we need a Savior. Amen. We need a Savior, uh, a, a perfect sacrifice. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us to do better at following the commandments that God has given to us. But not only is it, is it uh, have we not perfected all these things, But the Ten Commandments, they were not written for God to be happy. It was written for us to be happy. You see, God wrote these Ten Commandments 
that you and I would strive to live a godly life. And that if we would, if we would seek to follow these commandments in our lives, that we would, we would uh, uh, be able to have a happy life. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have many of the regrets that most of us uh, can, are, are, are may, maybe living with in our lives. Things that you wish you never did. So God gives us the Ten Commandments for us to live that abundant life. And in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17, the Lord says this. He says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Which brings us into our first point this evening, and that is don't covet what others have. Don't covet what others have. You see, the only way that we can covet what someone else has is if we are not content with what we have. See, covet means to have a strong desire for. A strong desire for. So God isn't saying that, that, that we shouldn't desire anything. No, because, you know, maybe if you find yourself single here in this place, and you desire, uh, you know, maybe you're a woman, you desire a, 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 a husband. Maybe you're, maybe you're a man and you desire a wife. Those are, those are good desires. God just doesn't want you desiring someone else's spouse. Amen? Amen? <laughs> see, so you can see, the, you can see the difference here in regards to what covet means and how God uses it in that we should not covet something that belongs to someone else. As I was studying this, I was, I was wondering, why did God only speak to men in this, in this part where he says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife? How about the women, God? Shouldn't, shouldn't they not be coveting their, their, their neighbor's husband? <laughs> and then I thought, and then I thought for a little bit, and I thought, well, you know what? Maybe some women, if, if, if another woman came to them and says, you know what, I want your husband, maybe they might say, you know what, you can have him. <laughs> so maybe that's why. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give him to you right now, please. <laughs> See, the enemy used covetousness all the way back to creation. What do I mean? Adam and Eve had everything they could ever want or need. Everything they could ever want or need. But what did the enemy do? He took something that didn't belong to them and he made it look good. God tells them, he says, everything is yours to enjoy. Everything in this garden is yours, except for this one tree. This is not yours. You cannot partake of this tree. 
And so the enemy, in his crookedness, gets Eve to strongly desire what was not hers. And this is what the enemy does, right? Doesn't he, doesn't he uh, uh, try, to, try to get our focus off of the many things that we do have in our lives to the one thing that we want of someone else's? He does this. He takes our attention and focus away of all the things that God has blessed us with. And now we look at that one thing that we don't have and we say, well, God, how come I don't have that? You gave so-and-so that. How come I can't partake as well? We get that I've got to have it filling. Has anyone ever had that before? I've got to have it. I've got to have it, and I've got to have it right now. So you know, do you know what covetousness does to us? It causes us to resent God. Why? Because we think that God is providing something for him or her that he's not providing for you. God, why did you allow them to have this and not me? I want some, God. You know, don't, isn't, isn't that typical behavior that we see with children? Right? I know I have, I have two teenagers and I have two little ones as well, two toddlers. And I see this all the time. How come they got one and I didn't? You know, whenever, whenever we go to, to this place where they have lollipops, uh, 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 when you walk in, they have them on the, on the table where you check in. And they got lollipops. And I already, my wife and I already know that if we're going to be giving the kids lollipops, and it has to be all the same color. <laughs> Don't try to mix it up and, and, and think that you're going to make them all happy. You're not. You're going you're gonna to cause a fight. So get them all the same color. If they're, not all the same, if they're not all the same flavor, then we get none at all. Because we don't want to hear the bickering about he has this and she has this and how come I don't. Sadly, that never stops. We take that into our adult years as well. It's not about lollipops, though. It's about different things. You know, you may covet someone's car. You look at their car, and it's brand new, right off the car lot. Those rims are nice and shiny. You can't even hear the engine because it's, it's brand new. It's so quiet. And then you start your car. <laughs> yes, oh, Jesus, right? Jesus, help me. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel right now. <laughs> and you start your car, and you're just excited that it even started in the first place. And you start it, and, and that engine is shaking because, you know, two of the motor mounts are busted. <laughs> it's got 200,000 miles on it. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, 
God, what is going on here? I work hard. How come they have this and I don't? We begin to covet. We begin to strongly desire that which is not ours. Remember what Paul said earlier in Philippians 4.11. When he says, he says, I have learned. I had you repeat that earlier because I want to focus on that right now. He says, I have learned how to be content. Why? Because we are not content by nature, aren't we? It's in our nature to want to be different, to want to be better. We can't, we can't come to a place of just natural contentment in our lives. We always want more. And so Paul says, I had to learn how to be content. The Amplified Bible describes being content as this, satisfied to the point where you are not disturbed or disquieted. See, it doesn't say satisfied to the point where you don't want change, but satisfied for now until God brings the change in your life. Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7 it sheds more light in this area by saying this. Paul writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs, Paul says, and don't forget to thank him for his answers. And in verse 7, Paul writes this, and he says, if you do this, you will experience God's peace. How many of you want to experience God's peace in your life? He says, if you, if you try not to worry and you start praying about these things in your life, then you're going to experience God's peace. He says, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can even understand. He says, his peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. See, what Paul is saying is this. He says, don't, don't be upset about what's happening in your life. No matter what it is that's taking place. He says, but pray about it. Tell God your needs. While you're waiting for God to move, you keep, you keep an attitude of thankfulness. You teach yourself how to be content with where you are at right now, with what, with what God has done in your life. We're going to get into a little later why. Next here. Not only should we not covet what others have, but do not compare with what others have. Mm. I read this quote, someone said that comparison is the thief of joy. 
It's so true. When we find ourselves comparing what we have to what others have, most of the time we end up, we end up, uh, 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 those comparisons end up stealing our joy. And we take our attention off of the, as I mentioned earlier, all the things that God is doing in our lives to the one thing that we desire. See, I know social media has its pros, but it also has its cons. You know, so many things we see on social media are not what they seem. Isn't that true? You know, someone, someone may post something, you know, and it's, and it's of, you know, uh, 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 maybe, maybe uh, you know, her husband took her out to dinner. And they're, and they're, they're having dinner, you know, on, at the, you know, on the edge of the, of the water there. The water's in the background, and there's, there's flowers on the table. There's a candle on the table as well. And they're having this romantic dinner. And then you, while you're watching this on social media, you turn to your husband who's sitting on the couch like this. And you look at him and you think, man, you bum, why don't you do any of these things for me? How come you never take me out? And we start to compare with what others are doing, but we have no idea what takes place in the background. You see, because you don't know that after that dinner, they probably had the biggest argument of their lives. But they're not posting that, right? I'm just gonna post this awesome dinner that we're, that we're having right now. And we look at these things and we start to compare to others. Look at all these things that I don't have. Man, I wish I had their life. I wish I had their husband. I wish I had their wife. And we start to look at these things. I wish I had their children. <laughs> you have no idea what their children are really like. They probably, they probably scared the life out of them when they come to church and say, if, if you do anything Crazy at church, that's the end of you. <laughs> you don't know what took place before they walked in these doors. You just see these little angels. And then you look at your kids and you think, oh my goodness, where did I go wrong? And we compare, and we compare with things that may not even be real. See, don't compare with what others seem to have. Ecclesiastes 6.9, the writer says this, and he says, It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. Why? Why? Because comparison will lead to envy. 
comparing your life to others is going to anger you. It's going to frustrate you. And you know what else it does in your life is, is, as I mentioned before, it causes you to resent God. You may find yourself looking at others and becoming envious of what they have. But we need to remind ourselves of what God's word says, as David writes here in Psalm 23, verse 1. And he says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. You need God's word to remind you of that. Lord, Lord, because you are my shepherd, Father, I am thankful that you are all that I need. I have everything that I need in you. And that is so true, church. Because many times we look, for, we look for what we need in things or in people on this earth. If I could just have this and that, then I will be happy. But what happens when you get it? You still have the same attitude. Well, you know what? Actually, it was this. I think, I think if I have this, then I'll be happy. And then you get it, and then what? You're back to square one. And David writes, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. And this is where God wants to bring you and I tonight, to a place of understanding that God has given us everything that we need. Everything. Everything. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, and he says this, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Naked we came into this world, naked we leave. You can't take anything with you. And all these things that we... That we uh, uh, seek to have in our lives that we think is, gonna, is going to bring us contentment and fulfillment and satisfaction. God wants to point our direction in the right path and focus on things that matter. Yes, we need things, but they're not what life is about, right? Right? Things is not, is not what, what you and I were created for. You were created for far more important things and valuable things than just things here on this earth. You were created for a purpose, and that purpose was to have a perfect relationship with God the Father. And believe me, it may be tough right now for you and I to, to have that perfect relationship with God. But let me tell you right now, after this life, amen, after this life, God has prepared a place for you and I that we will live with him forever and ever and ever in perfect unity and harmony with God. See, we need to learn to be content 
with what you and I have. You see, contentment is not abandoning your ambition. We need to have ambition. Make the most of what God has given to you. So contentment doesn't mean that you give up your goals and your plans and your dreams. Contentment means that you don't need more in order to be happy. You don't need this in order to have true contentment. God says that it is found in me. The story is told of a rich man who was disturbed to see this fisherman sitting lazily beside his boat. He came to him and said, he said, why aren't you fishing? The fisherman said, well, it's because I've, I've caught all that I need. The rich man looked at him and said, well, why don't you go out and catch more? That way you could have more money. He says, and then what do I do? He says, well, if you have more money, you can buy a bigger boat. You can get some nylon nets. You can go deeper in the ocean, catch more fish, make more money. Then before you know it, you can buy a fleet of boats and be rich just like me. Fisherman said, and then what do I do? The rich man says, well, then you can sit and enjoy life just as I'm doing. Fisherman looks at the rich man and says, well, what do you think I'm doing right now? You see, it's finding contentment in every circumstance in your life. In every situation, when others, may, when others may say, oh, you need this to be happy. You need this to be content. Oh, you're missing out. Wait, you mean to say that you've never tried this? Oh, geez. Well, let me, let me, let me be the first one to, to bring this to your attention here and to let you try this out. This is what's going to make you happy. See, church, for us as children of God, as believers in Christ Jesus, as ones who have a relationship with God the Father, we know where true contentment comes from. We understand that it is not found in things or people. We understand that it is found only through a relationship with God. That's where true contentment is found. How many of you have found true contentment in God? Luke 12, 15 says, Your true life is not made up of things you own, no matter how rich you may be. You see, trust in the Lord equals contentment. And this is where God seeks to bring you and I, to take us out of this state of coveting. 
what belongs to someone else. Take us out of this state of not being content and bring us into a state of contentment. That is what that word actually means. Contentment is to be in the state of content. Remember what Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, when he said this, and he said, pray about everything. Pray about everything. And he said, if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. You see, true peace is not found in the absence of conflict or in good feelings. True peace comes from knowing that God is in control. In Genesis 50 and verse 20, Joseph, speaking to his brothers who had severely mistreated him, and he says these words in Genesis 50, 20, and he says, as far as I am concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. But I like what Joseph says there. He says, as far as I am concerned, what was Joseph saying? He was saying that others might not have saw it this way. Others might have thought when they looked at all the things taking place in my life, and others might have thought, well, where's this God that he serves? Shouldn't God be taking care of him? Wow, I guess God isn't that mighty, huh? Because look at Joseph. He's allowing you to go through all this crazy stuff that wasn't even your fault. Where's God? I thought he was your father. Shouldn't a father protect? And Joseph says these words. He says, as far as I am concerned, what you meant for evil, God was working for the good the entire time in my life. All those times that the naysayers were thinking, where is your God, Joseph? Where is he now? In your time of heartache, in your time of need, I think he abandoned you. And Joseph says, no, no, you don't understand. You see, the God that I serve, my father works out everything for my good. This is who he is. This is how he operates. This is how much he loves me. So it doesn't matter what takes place in my life. It doesn't matter where I find myself. It doesn't matter what man does to me because God is in control. And so because I understand that God is in control and I trust him, I could experience true contentment. See, the very things that we think are awful right now in our lives very often turn out to be the greatest blessing in our life. 
turn out to be the greatest faith builders in our life. Those faith pillars in your, in your walk with Christ. Those moments in your life where you know without any doubt that you can trust in God. It was in those seasons, it was in those toughest seasons in your life that have brought you to this place where it has now become a pillar of faith in your walk with Christ. That's amazing. That's amazing. Why? Because God is, every, God is working even the bad things out for your good. Even the seemingly bad situations that you may be facing, God is working for your good. Just trust in him. Amen? Just, just keep, you know, keep trusting in God that he is doing the work. Amen? That he is going to bring you out. That this is only for a season. That God, that God, is, going to, that God is going to elevate you. Amen? He's going to bless your life for your faithfulness and for your trust in him. It's up to us, though, to be a thankful person. To learn how to be content in our lives. As I mentioned, it's not a natural thing for us. So you and I need to learn. Take inventory each day. Not of the things that you don't have in your life. Not of the things that you desire but all the things that God has done. Take inventory of that. Take inventory of all the blessings that God has poured upon your life with his grace and his mercy. Because we shouldn't, we shouldn't have the things that we have. I look at my life and I think, man, I shouldn't have the things that I have. I shouldn't have the marriage and the children that I have. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But I'm blessed through God, my Father. I'm blessed through Him. Because even though, even though I know that I don't deserve these things, that's, that's God's grace and His mercy. That's God working things out, amen? That's God blessing good decisions. Even though there were many bad decisions that we've made in our past, God blesses, amen, those good decisions as well, doesn't He? Doesn't He? You need to believe that. You need to believe that. That as you honor God, he honors you. And you seek to honor God in your life. You seek to honor God in your, in your actions. You seek to honor God in your words. You seek to honor God in your thoughts. We need to stop questioning God and start trusting him then we're going to experience that tremendous peace in our lives, no matter what state you find yourself in. Trust God. Why? Because he loves you. That's why. You can trust him because he cares for you like none other. You can trust him because he's created you. 
You can trust him because, because you are going to be with him forever and ever and ever. And he is working things out for your good. See, it's good to trust God for something, but God is calling his people not only to trust him for something, but to trust him in everything. In everything, in every situation in our lives. What are you going through right now in your life? What is it? Think about it right now. What is it that you find yourself going through? What are those things that consume your mind? What is it? What did you walk in these doors with? Was something, was something stressing you? Was something causing worry in your life? Was, is, is, is something really heavy on you right now? What is it? What's taking place in your life? Start trusting God in it. Start trusting God in that situation. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but God does. You know what it is as well. I know those things that consume my mind. But I need to trust God in those things. God, help me not to, help me not to talk negatively about it. Lord, help me not to gossip about it. Lord, help me to tell you. Help me to give these things to you, Lord, because you are the only one that can do something about it. You are the only one in whom I'm going to find true peace. See, we need to understand that God is in control and he does have your best interest at heart. Paul writes in Hebrews 13.5, as our worship team comes forward this evening, Hebrews 13.5, Paul writes this, and he says, Be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. Why? He says, because God has said this, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Be content with what you have. Because God has never left you. He's never left you, nor will he ever. He will always be with you. He will always give you what you need. He says, so don't covet. Don't covet what doesn't belong to you. Don't be like, like, like Adam and Eve and, and covet the one thing that God says, this is not yours. This is mine. This is someone else's. All those things that I've blessed you with. Enjoy it. Partake of it. Be happy in it. It's yours. Make the most of it. That home it's yours, make the most of it. That marriage, it's yours, make the most of it. That job, it's yours, make the most of it. God wants us to move our focus in the right direction. To trust in Him, 
to not look to the left or to the right. To not get into a state where we're constantly, constantly comparing ourselves to what others have. Start being content with what you do have. Start to give God thanks for that which you have in your life. See how that changes. Begin to thank God for it. Begin to show your thanks in how you treat those individuals. Maybe it's a relationship. You give God thanks by treating them good. God, I'm so grateful and so thankful for this relationship. Because I'm thankful, I'm going to invest. I'm going to invest in this relationship. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to, I'm going to, to, to give myself and devote myself. Because I know, God, that you have given me everything that I need. Everything that I need, you have given me. And God, you're going to continue to give me everything that I need. You're not going to stop now. You're not going to stop your giving now. But it's going to keep taking place in your life. But church, we need to learn, as Paul says, how to be content in all circumstances. We need this. We need this in our lives. If we are going to live that abundant life that God desires for you and I to live, then we need to learn how to be content. As every head is bowed and every eye closed this evening,